Welcome to the Aging Gracefully podcast. I'm Mary Thompson. And I'm Janae Anderson. Join us as we explore the myths, beliefs, and realities of aging to empower each of us to thrive on all levels, every moment of our lives. Mary, this morning I got up and went downstairs, rolled out my yoga mat, and started to do some yoga. Mm -hmm. I was not doing anything different from what I have done thousands of times before, but something happened and one of my ribs went, and uh, my back muscles went, and, uh, you know, so I had to stop. And I watched my mind want to make up a big story about it, about how I'm older now, I can't do yoga like that, I needed to change everything about my routine, this was going to bother me for the rest of my days. I watched all the stories start to unfurl and attack. I'm a dedicated student of something called A Course of Love, and this is a little quote from A Course of Love about stories. This viewing of your life as a story is what you do. You spend each day in review or speculation. What has happened and what will happen next? You attempt to rewrite previous chapters and to cast all the parts and plan all the events of the next. This is, in effect, your attempt to control. Mm. So I I remembered that, and I let go of the stories. And I said to my husband a little later, yeah, I think I pulled a rib doing yoga. It'll settle, and I'll be fine. I decided to to add in kind of a new story, one of my own choosing, because stories can really make or break us. Hmm. So the story you were telling yourself was about the challenge you were having was one that was now going to be a regular part of your life. Absolutely. Projecting the the experience into your future. and And how I would have to change all you know, a lot of what I do in my yoga practice because now I'm older and more vulnerable and breakable. Do you think, um, um, do you have people in your past, maybe in your family, that that's what you observed as they got older, they became more fragile, they became more easily breakable? And so you're thinking, because I, I think we model our aging after the people in our families that we've been with as they've aged. Mine, mine went into dementia, and my mother went into dementia, and another aunt did. And so I think I'm, I'm more likely to watch a kind of mental challenge if something happens to me mentally. Coming here this morning, I knew that I had to make a left turn onto the road, but I got into the right lane. And then I thought, well, where am I going? And I had to pause and remember where I was headed and make the appropriate lane change to get over to the direction I needed to go. But... I have that tendency then to create the story. Oh, this is how dementia starts. You know, we've had, we talked about dementia, I think earlier in a podcast, but it's a story again. And it's a story. I think in that one, it's based on how we've seen other people change and transition. And so as we get into these aches and pains or ribs going out or the mind kind of not being really aware of what and attentive to what it needs to do, we kind of project into the future and create that, horror story of where we're headed. We do. And you mentioned models, models of aging that we've had. And yes, I watched my mother 
die of cancer, and I watched my father go into dementia um, and pass away too. So not such good models of getting older. And so the thing is, and we've talked about this a, um, a fair amount, this is a new phase that does has not previously existed, um, what we're doing now, because people in the past, in their late 50s, 60s, 70s, they were old, they were getting ready to go, uh, you know, yeah. die, go. Um, but this new phase, better not to put a story to it, mm -hmm. um, because we don't know, we're making it up as we go. It's one of those lovely off-the-cuff stories. Or maybe we can make up a story but stop making it be a horror story. A story of our own choosing. A story of our own choosing. And so, you know, my back went out. Okay, that, that happened. You know, I see a brand new opportunity in working for a yoga class for people who have these kind of aches and pains and limitations. And I'm going to create a whole yoga program that's designed, you know, you open it up into something that's exciting. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Even though I might have a little pain in my body right now. There's some way to do that. I can change it. How about the stories from our past? I'm always, I think, rewriting things from our past or I'm finding um, my mind creates stories around other people's intentions. We do that you know? all the time. You know, so it's all the time. And it's, again, it's rarely a positive thing. There's something that you taught me, Janae, that I that I try to incorporate as often as I can, is you'll say, put trust into the gap. Put trust into the gap. So if I have, if I'm expecting something and I'm, I'm kind of waiting for it to happen, then I try to trust that whatever needs to happen is going to happen in its time. So if I'm waiting for a friend to show up for a lunch and she's running late, then I have my one side, which is a story about how this person's irresponsible. They never honor time. Uh, my time's more valuable than this. Uh, I, I don't like this. And I could have this whole story that by the time they arrive, I have created that they have intentionally put me out and I've created this foul mood and it becomes difficult to overcome. Or I can put trust into the gap and think, you know, something has come up that she has to take care of. Um, she'll be here when she gets here and we're going to be able to discuss what happened and I could talk about it in a common rational manner. This is a friend of mine. They mean me no harm. Um, and then, and then I get to assess, you know, then I get to see the reality when she arrives. If it's, uh, if it's really going to be, Oh, okay, no, I was taken advantage of there for a bit. Then we can have a discussion about that. And we stay in the moment and deal with it. It's, it's life-changing mm -hmm. uh, because there are inevitably many times when what we expect to happen doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. And it's often around people, other people. Right. So yeah, just to keep throwing trust into that gap. And of course, if it happens over and over and over again, mm -hmm. it does have to be addressed. Right. But um, yeah, to, to consciously decide that we are not going to create some crazy old story, mm -hmm. but instead just put trust into the gap. It's huge. I think of as we as we get older and our partners get older, I'm finding times when I'm thinking I'm being ignored when he can't hear me. Oh my. <laughs> so, so, I've learned, so I'll be getting angry about being ignored and then, then I go, he'll make a comment and I'll say, I told you that five times. You know, it's like for the third time chicken. And it's, uh, then you, I go in there and say, okay, you're not really hearing me now. I have to adapt 
my behavior in such a way that if I want to be heard, I have to make sure that I'm heard, that's on me because now he's already showing some um, limited range of hearing. Possibly selective. We'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's also on him. He could get hearing aids. Right. These stories, Mary, how do they make you feel? Well, I would love it if the stories made me feel good. <laughs> but I think a lot of times my mind is caught up in negativity and judgment. I'm not good enough, and that's why the person didn't show up. I'm not important enough, and that's why they're running late. Um, so you're judging yourself. Well, I'm judging myself, and I'm also I'm judging them. They're doing something, but I turn a lot of it onto myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I had an experience one time in a group, and I thought I found this really profound, and I'm not sure it ties into our topic, but it was really a profound moment for me was it's a room full of strangers and they put you in a chair and they would say nice things about you just based on looking at you, what they believe to be true about you by looking at you. And as they were saying the nice things, my mind was saying, these people don't even know me. I just walked in the door. This is ridiculous. And then they turned it around and they said, now just by looking at you, they were going to say negative things about you. And they would say the negative things. And I would say, how do these people know that? How did they see me so clearly? And I was so willing to accept their negative assessment of me and reject their positive. And that was a huge aha moment for me because I realized that I was looking for negatives. Right. I was, and my, your story. Right. My story was that I had all these faults. And so now here were a room full of people that were validating that for me. But they didn't know me any more in the negative than they did in the positive. Isn't it interesting how we do that? Mm -hmm. And, you know, anxiety is like the number one epidemic today. Mm -hmm. And bottom line, it usually comes from our stories. Mm -hmm. We're speculating. We're rewriting. We're, uh, we're creating all these stories that make us anxious. Mm -hmm. Yes. But if every time someone was running late, I infused positive energy into it and figured they were doing something that was going to benefit me in some way, then I might end up being disappointed. Because if I start to assume, now I'm going to be joking here, but if I start to assume every time someone's running late, it's because they're part of an elaborate conspiracy to throw me a surprise party. Then, and I, every time someone is, you know, I, they cover up the phone while they're talking or they um, walk out of the room when I come in, then I continue to, you know, extend my story, my fantasy that they're creating a surprise party. But at some point, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to create a delusion. <laughs> but, but one thing you do, Mary, that, that I've always um, been impressed by is if you're driving and a car <laughs> cuts you off, you will say, oh, they're probably in a huge rush because they, they're getting a loved one to the hospital. You know, she, she, you'll put something so positive in there, a really great spin. It's, but as you say it, sending them off to the hospital doesn't sound so great. But you're right. I try to imagine that they have an emergency that I would like if I had that emergency for people to cut me some slack. Right. And so I cut them slack. And do you think that maybe we could cut ourselves some slack? What would that look like? <laughs> it would look like being aware of the stories we are weaving mm. and intentionally letting them go. Mm -hmm. Do you think to become aware of them, we might start when we're feeling anxious to pause for a moment and ask ourselves, what am I telling myself is happening in this moment? So if I'm feeling anxious, I might look at it and say, what is it I'm afraid of in this moment? Because I think fear comes up for me. Um, sometimes I get really frustrated. What am I angry about in this moment? 
I usually find that this moment doesn't have it. It's some past moment that I haven't let go of or I haven't processed. Or a future moment that you're, mm-hmm. you know, speculating oh, future about. moments, yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if we're off in the past, out in the future, it, it can be very anxiety-provoking, very fearful. Mm-hmm. 99.9% of the time when we're right here in the moment, there's nothing to stress about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the stories I'm telling myself, well, I don't, there are stories aren't happening right now. I'm doing writing the stories. You know, they say history is written by the victors, right? So it's, we have a story, but it's based on our history. It is. It's based on our history and, but not, but loosely, you know, if you and I had had the exact same history, we might look at it very differently. Mm Mm-hmm. So if you don't know whether or not you have stories, I suggest you just go stand naked in front of a mirror and see (laughs) see what comes up. (laughs) Or, you know, it is difficult to think about um, these stories coming from stories other people have told us about ourselves. One thing, affirmations were very positive a few years ago. I don't think they're as positively suggested now. But one thing that was really impactful for me around that was I was told at one time to say the affirmation, not from the first person, I am healthy, but to say it from the third person, you are healthy, or no, the second person, you are healthy, because they said most of the negative things that we heard and embodied were told to us by someone else telling us we were that way. Wow, that's interesting. Like, you can't draw, Sister Nicholas, (laughs) you know, and I embodied that, or you are irresponsible, you are neglectful, you are whatever. These were other people's judgments of us that we took on, that we agreed with on some level. You know, here was the proof right here, you know, that whatever the person's angry about is all the proof we need that we were irresponsible. Yeah. And so we agree with them and we take on that label, but we don't have to. That was somebody else's interpretation of our behavior. Think of all those times as a child, you might've been told you are irresponsible when they could have said, you are a child. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And And you will get better. And the beauty of it is that you don't have to go digging for those stories because things that still affect us from the past will come up in the present. Mm-hmm. So when they come up, that's a great time to just pause a moment and look at what's going on. Mm-hmm. And of course, bringing back the whole aging gracefully idea, there is a lot of agreement in our culture, uh, a lot of stories about getting older mm-hmm. and strikes fear into the hearts of so many of us. If you Google aging gracefully, you come up with cosmetic surgery and and all kinds of things that, you know, just want to change the outward uh, and are panicked, panicked about getting older. Well, that's the thing. When you look up aging gracefully, most of it is on latching onto, latching onto youth dramatically. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Because the stories are, you don't want to get old. Getting older is you become invisible. You become washed out and you can't move your body anymore. You get dementia. Yeah. And so we have all these stories. One thing that you had mentioned was like in the present moment, if I have something coming up, you know, can I look back at my story? One thing I do, and this drives my husband crazy, is if I have, if I'm angry about something, something has just occurred between us and I'm feeling anger. I excuse myself and I go and ask myself the question about when previously, you know, what exactly happened and when has that happened before? 
and I try to get back to when was the first time this happened. And usually it happened when I was a kid and it's something. So say he's forgotten to tell me something and I've gotten angry that I'm thinking, okay, in what other situations have I had this come up and where can I go to with it? And I try to go down as deep as I can to figure out why am I so angry about this? Because it could have happened any number of times and I it wouldn't have affected me. And so usually then I come back out about five minutes later and I have some story again about, oh, you know, my mom did this uh, thing when I was a kid and I reacted really badly then and I'm equating that to this moment. And and I go through this whole long, long thing that goes on forever. Uh, but it does, it really helps me to dissipate it because I get to see it in context that this one event was just an event. Sounds like a very powerful practice. Well, it's, it's a powerful practice, but it is annoying to anyone outside of my head, you know, because sometimes I'll journal about it or write these things down, but it does get to be a long process when he was raised in a household of yellers and hitters, and I'm not a yeller or a hitter, so I have to find some way to process the anger because I came from a family of repressed emotion. And so it's like saying, okay, I don't want to repress it. I want to be able to express it. But I want to know what I'm expressing it about. I want to know what is this anger about? Where did it come from? Because so often I'm angry at, at silly things. I'm angry at things that wouldn't necessarily uh, irritate me or anger me if it wasn't happening at a time when I was focused on something else and I was trying to do something else and I wasn't here in this moment dealing with it head on. Yes. Have you ever gotten hooked on a story and you can't let it go? Maybe about somebody else. Maybe about Ooh, give something me an dumb you did. Oh, wow. Or humiliation stories. No. Yeah. Or, you know, that, that evil husband or whatever. Mm. You know, the, a story that we spin round and round and round. And every time we go round, it's like the groove in a record. We get a little deeper into it. Mm-hmm. Um, what What works <laughs> for me in that case and in other cases when stories come up is, I often will employ Byron Katie's four questions. Mm. Uh, is it true? Question one. And of course the ego wants to go, yes, it's true. She treated me horribly. Question two. Can you absolutely know it's true? Well, maybe she uh, was, wasn't aware of what she was doing. You know, just those two questions usually are as far as I go. Is it true? Can you absolutely know it's true? Sometimes I'll add the third, how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? And for me, I'm going to say that story. And I feel how that story is making me miserable, <laughs> anxious and miserable and an unhappy person. And then question four, who would you be without the thought? But I would say, who would you be without the story? And I realize that if I let go of the story, it's such a lightening up. It's such an exhale for me. Mm-hmm. And so that makes it easier and easier to let go of stories. Is there a story that you can that you would be willing to share with us that you did that with? That something, an event that maybe brought up an emotion in you that then you turned around and were able to look at it from a different Well, angle. let me bring in my son Kai here. Kai has some social quirkiness, some social deficits. And so when he was younger, my story was he will never have friends. And that actually didn't happen. He got friends and kept them until now. He's uh, until last year, seventh grade. 
such an awkward time, seventh grade, socially such a crazy time. And so again, he lost his friends. And, and again, the story came, he'll never have friends. From now on, he'll never have friends. And it felt so real and it felt so heavy. And then I got to ask myself, well, is it true? It feels true. Can I absolutely know it's true? No, I can't absolutely know that it's true. That in itself is a real aha. Because when we have our stories and they're, you know, just right there in front of us and we even can see evidence, uh, it feels so true. But to actually admit that I actually don't know if that's true is huge. Um, question three, how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? Well, it's miserable. It's heavy. It's depressing. And question four, who would you be without that thought? So much lighter. So much more willing to just be in the moment, make observations, and not make huge stories about them. Mm -hmm. So I did that with Kai um, just, you know, the last couple years. Okay, right now, friendships are awkward, and that's right now, right? I don't have to speculate and, and future trip about this. Mm -hmm. So... What I hear also is that oftentimes our stories of the past that we've interpreted through kind of a negative lens, and when we project that into the future, we project that same anxiety, fear, anger into the future. And what this cycle tends to do is to stop you from, the, from doing that. These questions tend to stop that cycle is what I meant to say, that they're going to pause you in the moment and say, you know, if I'm projecting into the future, that this is always going to be the case. You know, is that true? Well, I have no way of knowing if that's true or not because something may happen tomorrow that changes everything. But I don't know. When I believe that my past creates my future, then I'm unhappy. When I let my future unfold the way it needs to unfold, then I'm, I can be content. I feel my heart opening even as you speak of this because, mm. you know, when we contract, our heart contracts. Right. And, um, and then we're not really able to draw in or at least experience the beauty and the gifts mm -hmm. that are given to us every day. Yeah. So, yeah, when we're holding on to some big story, yeah, it's a contracted place. Yeah. So what we'd ask you to do for those people listening is as you start to feel negativity in the moment is ask yourself, you know, is there a story behind it? Is there some story you're telling yourself about the truth of this moment that may or may not actually be the truth of this moment? Reflect back to the stories you hold about your parents, about your family of origin. And then, very powerful to look at your stories about aging. Mm -hmm. Then we always have that so that. It's letting go of any negative preconceived conceptions about what your life's going to be like as we get older. To age gracefully, we want to step into that next moment, present, willing, open, and not projecting in our fears and damages from the past and the stories we tell ourselves. Mary, you said it. <laughs> Terrific. Well, this is Mary Thompson. And Janae Anderson, signing off. This is Janae. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to our podcast at our website, aginggracefullypodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Your comments and ideas for future topics are always welcome. Click the contact button on our homepage and join the conversation.